Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters, episode number 38. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing an author who I respect a lot. I'm privileged and honored to have Mr. Bob Berg on the podcast. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, Co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over 850,000 copies and it has been translated into 28 languages. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. His and John's newest parable in the Go-Giver series is the Go-Giver Influencer. I'm very excited for having Bob on my podcast, and I highly recommend listening to this podcast as well as at least reading the Go-Giver book. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome, Mr. Bob Berg, to Wealth Matters Podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. It's, it's fantastic to speak with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and i i have loved the book go giver and that was the reason i reached out to you oh, thank you so um you know i have read the book but can you give my audience some idea about what do you do um and then we can get on uh, or we can chat about the book uh, well, what I do, uh, a couple things. Basically, I've been a, a speaker speaking at uh, conferences and conventions for a number of years now. And we also have, um, uh, you know, a, a uh, podcast and, and we have uh, programs where we have people come into Florida to attend uh, small multi-day events. Awesome. Yeah, and I would love to attend one of those events. Oh, thank you. Love to have you. <laughs> So what is the premise of the book, uh, Go-Giver? Well, you know, it's a great question. And really the, the basic premise is simply that shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that doing so is not only a, a nice way of, of uh, living life, a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. So, yeah, after reading the book, I totally started, you know, leveraging that. But when you mentioned financially profitable way, can you uh, elaborate on that? Well, you know, if we have a product or a service to sell, then we, we've got to understand that people are not going to buy from us because, 
you know, we have a quota to meet, right? right. They're not going to buy from me. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money and they're not going to buy from you just because you're a nice person. Right. They're going to buy from you only because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. All right. And so what, what the, but that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. Uh, it means that the entrepreneur or the salesperson or the business person, the person wanting to build a business, they need to, they know they need to focus on that other person. They need to focus on pleasing that other person. They need to focus on solving that other person's problem. They need right. to focus on making that person's life better in order to earn that sale. So, you know, the, 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 the premise of shifting your focus off of yourself and onto them, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing particularly conceptual about it. It's, it's real world. It's tapping into human nature that people are going to do things for their reasons, not for our reasons. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense. So can you give us a quick review of the five laws you and John shared in the book? Sure. Uh, the laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Law number one is the law of value. And the law of value says that your true worth, in the, the business sense, of course, your true worth mm -hmm. is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear this, it sounds a bit counterintuitive, right? It's right. more in value than I take in payment. I, <laughs> Why? I'm going to survive in my business, never mind thrive, right? Sounds right. like a recipe for bankruptcy. <laughs> so we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's, uh, it's finite. It is what it is. Yep. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea, what have you, that brings with it so much worth to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be very, very glad that they did. Uh, can I give you just a, a quick example of what sure, that might look please, like? Please, please. So let's say that you hire an accountant to do your taxes. Mm -hmm. And this accountant, she charges you, and we're just going to name a round figure, $1,000 to do your taxes. Yep. So that's her price, her fee or her price. So, But what's the value she gives uh, for this? Well, through her years of experience, her knowledge, her, her desire and time to get to know you and what you're looking to accomplish, she's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. Uh, she also saves you countless hours of time right. and she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So, uh, so first, as you can see, but while again, price is finite, value can be both concrete, right? In terms of that $5,000 savings, that's pretty easy to, to get our arms around. But it also can be conceptual in terms of the peace of mind. How do you even put a price on peace of mind, right? So what this right. account did is she, she gave you well over $5,000 of value in exchange for a $1,000 price, 
or cash value, okay? So what she did is she gave you more in value than what she took in payment. So you feel great about it, you're ecstatic, and she made a very, very healthy profit. So uh, that's really the law of value. And really, the law of value tells us that in any kind of exchange, there are always two profits, the buyer profits and and the seller profits because each of them came away better off afterwards than they were before. So, you know, regardless of your business, the business you're building, the business that you have, your focus needs to be on providing such an immense and wonderful customer experience that they always feel as though they receive more in value than what they paid you. And of course, while doing this, you make a very healthy profit. Does that make sense? No, that's a great example. And and I started applying that first law in my own business and my life already. And I could I can see the difference, right? So I oh, that's yeah, very nice. I, I am so happy that you brought up that example or analogy. <laughs> oh, thank you. So the next law, law number two, is the law of compensation. And this law says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So uh, while law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with this exceptional value, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. So your accountant in the first example, she did a wonderful job of, of giving you more in value than she took in payment. So the chances are you feel great about her, mm-hmm. you'd use her services again, and you would probably refer her to others. Exactly. And her, yeah, her other, um, her other customers feel the same way. So uh, our accountant is very quickly amassing what we call an army of personal walking ambassadors. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow. As Nicole Martin, the uh, mentor in the story, uh, told Joe, the protege, Mm -hmm. law number one, the law of value represents your potential income. But it's law number two, the number of lives you impact with that value, that's what represents your actual income. Great, great example again. And and I could relate to that example as well. Same same thing. My accountant, you know, I, I, I love him and I've started referring a lot of other people to him as well. Ah, same reason. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So law number three is the law of influence. And the law of influence says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests. First, uh, again, uh, this one sounds counterproductive at best, right? right? And and maybe even Pollyanna-ish <laughs> at <laughs> uh, at worst. And yet, you know, we, we all know this: the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the the biggest money earners. This is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to to bring value to others, to serve others, to make other people's lives better. Now. Let me uh, clarify and, and qualify this statement, if I, if I may, because I think it can be easily sure. misunderstood, and it's, it's very important. When we say place the other person's interests first, we certainly don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat 
or a, uh, a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's just as, as Joe, the protege in the story, was told by several of the mentors, the golden rule of, of business, the golden rule of sales, of networking, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by genuinely and authentically moving from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus. Mm -hmm. uh, or as, as Sam, one of the mentors, told Joe, making your win all about the other person's win. And as you do this, and you do this constantly and consistently, and you develop a reputation amongst the people in your area for, for you know, being this kind of person and doing that, suddenly you become that center of influence. You become that go-to person who everyone knows, likes, and trusts. And you know, this is how you all of a sudden have a, a, an immense amount of influence in your community. So uh, that, that's a great law as well. So uh, can I ask you something? Do sure. you think, um, what are the examples of some of the influencers? Do you think like Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, you know, or Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, do you consider them as like influencers in Goldman Oh, sure. I would consider them, them to have been great influencers. Look yeah. how many people's lives they touched. Exactly. And, and they, they made business out of them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's how it's supposed to be. Sure. Perfect. So we can move on to law number four. Yeah, that's the law of authenticity. And this law says that the most valuable gift you, <clears throat> excuse me, that the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, in this example, uh, Deborah, one of the mentors in the story, Deborah Davenport, she shared a, a very important lesson she learned in her sales career. And that was that all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and indeed they all are very, very important, they're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true authentic core. Now, when you do, when you, as we like to say, show up as yourself, right, day after day, week right. after week, month after month, people feel very secure with you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. Uh, people want to get to know you. They like you. They love you. They trust you. They want to be a part of your life, a part of your business. They want to introduce and refer you to others. So being authentic is really not just good life practice, it's good business practice. And you know, the question comes up, and why is it then that so many people don't show up authentically, but they tend to kind of put on a little bit of an act almost? And, right. and I think the default answer is, well, because this person's not honest, or they're trying to pull one over on us. And you know, it's a big world, there are plenty of people like that out there, but nah, that's usually not the case. I'd say 99 times out of 100, when someone is not showing up authentically, it's really because they don't have the self-confidence to show up authentically. And they, uh, they haven't recognized their own value. And it's difficult to show up authentically when you don't feel you have anything, you know, of value to authentically show up with. 
And right. that's why it's very, very important for a person to understand both their intrinsic value, which simply means, you know, just by, by being here, you, you're, you have great value, but also their what I call market value. And I define market value as that combination of strengths, traits, talents, and characteristics that allows a person to add value to the marketplace in such a way that they will be financially rewarded for it. And we all have uh, this, this market value. We all have our, uh, I think it was Mike Littman who co coined the term, our assets of value, right? right, right. Those, those traits, those, tra those strengths. And, but the key, and, and well, let's say one reason why it's difficult for people to recognize it is because we're human beings. And as such, we're so emotionally involved with ourselves that it's difficult for us to kind of step back and look at ourselves objectively. So it's, as human beings, we tend to see the world in a certain way, and we assume that the way we see it is the way everyone sees it, and it's just not true. So as an example, you know, I remember counseling a person and uh, coaching a person, and they, they told me what they were doing, and I said, wow, that's, that's fantastic, that's awesome. And the person said, oh, no, no, yeah, everyone can do that. Everyone does that. And they weren't being falsely modest. They really didn't understand that they had a skill, that they had something in it that was worth a lot of money in the marketplace. Mm. Uh, because to them, it was that's what they do. So right. no big deal. Now, this is also why, and this is for something, and I know a lot of your listeners are starting a business. They're looking to, to build a business and so forth. And, you know, one of the toughest things sometimes is struggling with what to charge. And right. it's very easy to get into the bad habit of undercharging, you know, uh -huh. cutting price, letting people too easily negotiate your price. And a lot of times this happens because you really don't really on a heart level understand the true value you're bringing to them. So yeah, that's why it's important to have a coach such as you, right? Who who can you know speak with them dispassionately? You care about them, but at the same time, you're not so emotionally involved that you can't see it as well. So it's very important whether you retain a you know a coach uh, uh, officially or just you know a, a someone who's a mentor who you right. feel, who you really trust and who you feel could it it you you need to make sure that you understand the value you bring to the marketplace. That's a great point. And then um, law number five is the law of receptivity. And this one simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. receiving. Um, you know, it, this is really nothing more than understanding that, yeah, you breathe out but you also have to breathe in, in right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other. Uh, you breathe out carbon dioxide, but you also breathe in oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, you breathe out, which is giving, and you breathe in, which is receiving. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing. The world around us gives us lots and lots of negative messages about money, about business, about yep. prosperity, 
you know, if you read the paper or online or you it's listen to always you, negative. <laughs> yeah. And you might think, well, the only, you know, the people who make money are evil and they did yeah. bad things and that, well, again, it's a big world. There are certainly people out there like that, but that's what gets the press. You know, you, you usually don't read a story that says corporate CEO treats people fairly, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sell. So understand that if you're working within a free market based economy, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one is forced right. to buy from anyone. And I guarantee you, you and me and all of us, all of us on this, on this uh, call, this podcast, we all work that way. No one has to buy from us. So the only way to make a lot of money is to serve a lot of people and to serve them well. And as long as you do that, as long as your focus is on giving value to everyone, then you've earned the right, not the entitlement, but the right to receive. But what you know is that the giving comes first. The giving of value absolutely comes, comes first. And by the way, this is why John David Mann, my awesome co-author, uh, co why we say that money is simply an echo of value. Mm. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means that your focus must be on the giving of the value that you provide. The money you receive is simply a very natural result of, the, of that, that value you've given. And that's, you know, that's really what's so key. That's awesome. And I had to reread the law of receiving three, four times just to understand because I, I was able to understand the first four law, laws, right? But the last one, I'm like, yeah, I understand. But how does that work, <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> and here's the reason for that. Because again, from the time we're born, we get so many messages from the world around us regarding lack and regarding, you know, the evils of money and so all, you know all this stuff and it gets into our heads and it gets into our subconscious it gets into our unconscious and that's why you know people sabotage themselves right and and they're th because if you've learned from watching movies that you know there are two types of people there are the good people who are poor but happy yeah. and they're always <laughs> being taken advantage of put down stepped on stepped over by the who the rich people who are always portrayed as evil and cowardly and they have no soul, right? Well, so you start bringing great value to the marketplace and you create the benevolent context for success where, where you could be receiving lots and lots of money as a result, but you know, those, those unconscious tapes begin to play. Well, but if, I, if I'm making a lot of money, if I'm wealthy, then doesn't that mean I did something wrong? Right. Doesn't that mean I took advantage <laughs> of someone? And of course, it doesn't mean that at all. But unconsciously, that's the program that has been you know, put in there. And so that, that's why the law of receptivity is for most people. It's the most difficult one. But we've had people, you know, we, John and, and I have had people emailing us just saying that that law alone kind of, you know, it set them free because it was the first time they realized that, yes, it's righteous to receive. Awesome. No, that, that's, that's a great ex explanation, even just for me. I just, even though I have read the book, but just listening to you uh, opened my eyes. <laughs> huh. So, Thank uh, you. You talk about entrepreneurial spirit, uh, but 
What about those who are not entrepreneurs? Does the message in the Go-Giver book still apply to them? Sure, for someone who's working within a company, because you know, when we think of right. an entrepreneur, we think of someone who is, you know, they've risked their own money or made yep. money and they're, they're in business for themselves and, and so forth. <laughs> and so what about the person who's working within a corporation or working within someone else's company? Uh, does it work for them? Well, sure, because while they may not be entrepreneurs, they're still intrapreneurs, which basically means that they're still entrepreneurs only within someone else's company. And here's what I mean. Just like we said, no one's going to buy from you because you need the money. No one's going to hire you and keep you as an employee because you need the money. Right. They're going to hire you and keep you on as an employee because you're giving them more in value right. than what they're paying you. Okay. And that's the only reason why anyone should. Otherwise, why would they hire anyone? So, so you're, so you, but in this case, your customer might be your coworkers. Your customer is your supervisor. Your customer is the employer of the company. Your customer might be the end customer, depending upon what you do within the company. But you're, you're still, having to be entrepreneurial in terms of what your focus is creating immense value. value. No, that, that totally makes sense. So uh, I started talking about go giver with a lot of people and you know, some people said, Oh, what do you mean by go giver and why do you want to keep giving? So my question is, are there misconceptions about what being a go giver is? I mean, oh, the, sure. Sure. You know, and Name itself implies that you give constantly, right? Can you be taken advantage of that way? <laughs> right. So, so all those are, you know, are questions that would be asked usually by someone who hasn't read the book, because I think once they read the book, they understand that's not it at all. But right. sure, you're a, a title like the go giver. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. You know, oh, does that mean you just give your products away for free? <laughs> You know, you don't care about making a profit. Well, of course not. As we've been discussing, a go-giver tends to make a very, very healthy profit. In fact, a go-giver tends to charge higher rates because they're not selling on price. They're selling on the immense value that they give, that they provide. Um, or someone might say, well, a go-giver, does that mean you've just got to, you know, be at everyone's beck and call and do anything, everyone, you know, everything right. anyone wants? Of course not. In fact, as a go-giver, You'll, you'll become so successful that you'll have people constantly asking you for things. And the fact is, you just can't do that. You, you wouldn't have, you know, nobody has that kind of time to be able to do everything for everyone, even though we might like to. But so no, a go-giver tends to have to say no more than most other people. However, the way a go-giver would say no is in such a way that it shows kindness and respect and it honors the other person. Thank you again for answering my question about that. So I know, um, you know, I'm loving this uh, chat, but I know we are running out of time. So I'm going to have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Was there one piece of advice you received before you even knew anything about what being a go-giver is or, uh, you know, how did that advice make a difference in your life? Well, yeah, you know, there, there, there was a time that, that I remember someone said something that, that really did make a big difference to me because I'd been in sales for a couple of years and I was doing pretty well. I had learned the skills of, of, uh, of sales and, 
you know, again, I was doing pretty well, but not nearly as well as I could have been, which was kind of like Joe, right, in the story, in The Go-Giver. And I remember coming back from a, uh, an appointment that, I, that the sale did not happen, and it was really my fault. And um, I, was back, I was in the office, and I must have been looking kind of either depressed or discouraged or angry or something, because uh, one of the, the older guys there, and he wasn't even in the, bless you, he wasn't even in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department. Much older guy. Mm-hmm. But he was one of these, he didn't say much, but when he, whenever he did say something, it, it always seemed to be profound. <laughs> and he must have recognized in me potential, but he also realized that the potential was not being um, uh, realized, exactly. <laughs> and he said to me, uh, Berg, can I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, absolutely, please do. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving to others. And that was the big epiphany for me. That's where I kind of realized, I kind of understood at that point that great salesmanship is not about the salesperson, right? In fact, great sales, salesmanship is not even about the, uh, the product or the service, as important as the product right. or service is. Great salesmanship is about the other person. It's about that person you're serving. It's about how that person is going to utilize your products or services in order to make their life better. Yep. And once we understand that, that it's not about us, that it's about them, now really we're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step game. That's awesome. So just the last question. Um, of course, I love the Go-Giver book. Uh, it's, it's in my Thank top you. 10 list of my favorite books. Uh, uh, Thank you. And I, I'm pretty sure you have read tons of books. Uh, other than the Go-Giver series, which, is, which would be your one of the most favorite book uh, or maybe couple, um, if you can, you know, give our listeners? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I've, I've got a huge library of books. Yes, that, I that see I... that whenever I'm attending your Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it, by the way. I, I want to set up a library like that. Oh, uh, thank you. That's, you know, that's one small part of my home library. I always say my, my home uh, is, is basically made of books with some scattered furniture. <laughs> And so, you know, I mean, there are books that I read when I first started, such as Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People oh, that helped me a lot. Book. You know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, James Allen's As a Man Thinketh. Uh, I mean, all those classics, The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David Schwartz. You know, the, I mean, these are all just such wonderful books. And there's more recent ones. There's um, uh, Annie Duke's uh, book, uh, Oh my goodness. Uh, Thinking in Bets, which is a wonderful book on decision making. Oh my gosh, it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I have not read that book. I oh, it is it just fantastic. Yeah, Thinking in Bets, just a, a wonderful, wonderful book. 
uh, you know, there's a book uh, by my friend Dale Cummings called uh, The Sensational Leader, uh, which is a, a fantastic book on leadership. Um, uh, you know, there's just so many of them out there. I could I could spend all day just talking <laughs> about books that have touched my life in a significant way. And uh, but you know, I mean, it's a great question because books are very important. Very very important. There's no doubt about that. Now, thank you so much for sharing words of wisdom with us, and I sincerely enjoyed this conversation. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I, I thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you and have a nice weekend, Bob. You too. If you are on the fence about investing or have any questions about alternative investments, please reach out to me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com. It's A-L-P-E-S-H at W E A L. T-H-M-A-T-R-S dot com. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.